0: Hello everyone, welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. This is Katie, I'm your host, and I am here today with Marcus, my co-host.
1: Hey guys, how's it going?
0: And Marcus and I are flying as a duo today. We don't have a guest. And Marcus actually picked today's topic. So today we're gonna be talking about highly controversial soy topic. So if you are paleo, you're probably already freaking out that you shouldn't be eating soy. So why did you choose this topic, Marcus?
1: we trying to eat a more plant-based diet. Soy is one of the biggest sources of protein, and I just kind of wanted to know a little bit more about it, and I figured if I was already doing the research, then I could share it with everyone else.
0: Great. Love it. Um, so yeah, a lot of people are concerned about soy because they think it has estrogen receptor effects, and that may cause gynecomastia in men or breast cancer in women and we will today Dive go into, into that it. information and let you know if that is true. So to start out I guess we should tell go over just the basic of what soy is so I don't know do you want to talk a little bit about the different types of soy and how people may find it?
1: Yeah so um, soy is a, a plant in the pea family it's also called like a lagoon you might know it as, like, a soybean or edamame, and it's what they make tofu and miso out of. Yeah. And I think there's a couple other, like natto and tempeh. Um, tempeh. Tempe. Yeah.
0: Yep. Most plant-based protein powders are made from soy protein as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so the reason, like, soy is so, quote-unquote, good for a plant-based diet is it's a complete protein, which means it contains all the essential amino acids that meet protein contains
0: right so for vegans um, a lot of vegans eat a diet that does contain soy because it is a bean that contains all of the essential amino acids and also it's high in protein so it is a good protein source for people that are not getting protein from animal sources
1: and it has almost no fat or cholesterol which is one of the things that makes it um, better than animal protein especially for someone with high cholesterol.
0: So soy is what's called a phytoestrogen, which means that it is um, it does bind to estrogen receptors, but it does so very weakly. So what that means is that you have normal estrogen. Obviously, it's a female hormone in the body, and that binds to your estrogen receptors and causes a hormonal response in the body. Um, and so since soy is a phytoestrogen, it does have affinity for those same receptors, but it's very weak, so it's about a thousand times less affinity for those receptors than a traditional, um, like, estradiol, which would be an ingested estrogen. So people may be concerned that soy can have negative effects because of this estrogenic effect, um, such as the growing of breast tissue in men, but that's actually a misnomer that is false. Um, it does not cause that those effects because it is so weakly binding.
1: And it's a selective receptor modulator, so it has effects on some um, estrogen receptors and other effects it has are different on different receptors. So it doesn't act the same way as regular estrogen or estradiol. And um, also, men do have like some level of estrogen in their body, but it's really, really low in comparison to testosterone.
0: So one of the concerns is with estrogen or with soy because of this estrogenic effect is the impact on hormone-dependent cancers. Um, but there have been lots of epidemiological studies associated with looking at soy, um, and they see that it actually decreases risk for hormone-dependent cancer. So that would be breast, endometrial, and even prostate cancer in men. Um, and so they have a lot of data that supports that soy is actually protective against these types of cancers and we should not be worried about, um, soy intake causing cancer.
1: Yeah. And I read somewhere the same thing and it kind of said that, um, the phytoestrogens almost block the estrogenic effects of natural estrogen in your body when it comes to these estrogen dependent cancers or hormone dependent cancers such as prostate cancer. And
0: so for the breast cancer risk, um, there are a lot of studies that look at women of Asian descent that have breast cancer and looking at the reduced risk of soy or of um, breast cancer with soy in the diet, and actually it was seen specifically to help have a protective effect in Asian women, um, but there are this effect actually was not seen in other ethnicities or cultures. So women who incorporate more whole soy foods into their diets that are of Asian descent actually may have reduced risk of breast cancer reoccurrence. Um, And I think that this is another common misconception with soy, that if you have breast cancer, especially if it's an estrogen-mediated breast cancer, then you shouldn't be eating soy. You should be worried about that because it may cause the cancer to come back. Um, But actually, data does not support that at all. Data supports that soy in the diet may decrease risk of breast cancer recurrence. So if you have breast cancer, if you have a loved one that has breast cancer, I would encourage you to talk to their healthcare provider about the consumption of soy and to help determine what may be best for you. Um, If it is better to incorporate some soy into the diet, because that can actually help to decrease the recurrence of breast cancer.
1: So that was more of the, the worry from women's side of things. For right. men, the big thing is whether it'll increase estrogen or decrease testosterone, um, and they've done a lot of studies and some of the studies have shown like slight increases in estrogen, but um, they were really high doses of soy protein isolates. Which we'll talk about that a little bit later. And there was one case where a man developed gonocromastia, but he was drinking over a gallon of soy milk a day, which is unheard of. And if you drink a gallon of anything other than water in a day, you're probably going to have negative side effects as well.
0: So, did you see anything about soy decreasing testosterone levels in men at all?
1: Um, nothing significant. Okay. They had. They would have a few, but it would either be really high, unheard of amounts of soy proteins right. or high doses of isoflavones. But if you consume a normal amount, or they reference like the normal amount in an Asian diet. So if you ate that amount, then there's no real effect on testosterone levels or estrogen.
0: So one of the other um, health benefits of soy, so we talked a little bit, obviously, about the cancer risk, but then we also have a decreased hyperlipidemia or cholesterol. So what did
1: you find with that? Um, So they found studies. The first thing, I don't know if it's necessarily the soy protein itself that helps lower cholesterol or if it's more so that you get protein from a source that's lower in cholesterol than you would from an animal product. Um, and the, the data is kind of inconclusive with that, but they have shown that uh, with soy protein, you can lower um, your bad cholesterol, which is helpful in high cholesterol.
0: I think since the data is mixed, when we're looking at the use of soy um, versus placebo to reduce cholesterol or your LDL, which is considered to be the bad cholesterol, we have mixed results. But when we see soy in place of animal protein, then we see the benefits. So I think that's kind of intuitive yeah. because we know that animal protein is high in cholesterol and plants don't contain any cholesterol. Um, so if you are making those healthy switches, then you can see a benefit.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree.
0: And also a couple studies that I've read said that it was had more of a benefit in patients that had even higher levels of cholesterol. Um, So if you have more uncontrolled hyperlipidemia, it may be even further benefit. Yeah. So one of the other benefits of soy that we think about a lot is the use of soy to help with menopausal symptoms. So hot flashes, um, vaginal dryness, those are some of the really big things that we use soy for. And there's a ton of data to support the use of soy in this way. So when you take a soy isoflavonoid that's formulated as a tablet, Um, it can help with these symptoms. And there's a lot of data to support that. So this is, I think, another thing where we worry about women that have breast cancer and we say, okay, you can't use this soy isoflavonoid tablet if you have a history of breast cancer. Um, But again, that would be something that I would say if you're interested in a more natural way to help with those um, menopausal symptoms, maybe talk to your healthcare provider. And maybe there is some way that we can still utilize soy tablets to help reduce those symptoms
1: yeah and with the the isoflavone it is it's concentrated in the pill form but when it comes to just natural forms of soy like in the diet yeah it's in a lot smaller concentration so like one cup of soy milk only has six milligrams of isoflavone in it um in comparison to i'm not sure the dose of
0: So a lot of the um, studies that were looking at the use of soy for hot flashes in postmenopausal women, they were looking at around 50 milligrams, and then they considered a high dose to be 100 to 200 milligrams uh, per day. So it is much higher than a 6 milligram that you would get in the soy
1: milk. And the only thing that's higher than that would be, like, tofu and actual soybeans. But for a 3-ounce serving of tofu— it's still only twenty milligrams, and right. most people aren't going to eat soybeans in some form every single day. Right,
0: I agree. So the other one of the other health benefits that we saw was for bone health.
1: Um, that goes back to where uh, I said that soy is a selective estrogen receptor modulator. Uh-huh. So it has some of the proestrogenic effects that are helpful in osteoporosis. Okay in postmenopausal patients, uh-huh. um, but it doesn't have the, the same negative effects towards breast cancer or other estrogen-dependent cancers.
0: And this, again, I think is seen in um, postmenopausal women yeah. more frequently. So, again, having the, that soy in your diet as a postmenopausal woman can have those benefits on bone health as well. All right, so those are just some of the health claims that we see associated with soy that actually have good data to back up the use. Yeah. Um, but one of the areas where I think it's a little bit more controversial is associated with the thyroid hormone. So some people that think that soy may not be the best thing to have in your diet say that it can negatively affect your thyroid hormone.
1: The claims have been that it inactivate the thyroid peroxidase, which is essential for thyroid hormone production but they found that this was only the case when iodine was too low. Right. Um, So that's why you don't see this thyroid disorder in the Asian population because they consume a lot of seaweed, which contains a lot of iodine. So if your iodine is sufficient, then this isn't too much of a concern.
0: Right. So I think this originally started because they, with babies when they made soy formula, um, the babies were having a negative effect on their thyroid, but now in the soy formula, they, at, they enhance it with iodine so that that doesn't have a problem. And then also our salt is enhanced with iodine, so yeah. we don't have to worry about having low iodine in our diets as well. So in general, there are a lot of studies that look at the use of soy um, and if it impacts a thyroid hormone And one meta-analysis that looked at 14 studies um, on the impact of soy on the thyroid hormone found that there was really no appreciable difference in thyroid hormone based on the intake of soy. So really, it's really not a concern, but one um, area where you may be at increased risk and one area where you may want to consider is if you have a family history of Hashimoto's, So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition where your body attacks the thyroid and you're unable to make TPO anymore, which is the thyroid peroxidase that Marcus mentioned. And so you can no longer create thyroid hormone. It's not synthesized appropriately. So if you're already at increased risk for Hashimoto's because you have that in your family, or if you already have another autoimmune disease, that may put you at increased risk for also developing Hashimoto's. You may want to be... Careful with your soy consumption. I, do I think you need to avoid it completely? No, um, but supplementing with like the the tablets or the isoflavonoids or t- having a soy protein may be not the best option. Um, I think if you're sticking with those whole foods that are in lower quantity or lower milligrams of soy, I think it would still be okay.
1: Yeah, but always before doing anything different, um, just talk to your doctor and see what they think. Maybe they know that you have a family history and you don't, or right. maybe they've seen some tests and see that there are certain circumstances in which you shouldn't use a product like this.
0: The last thing that we want to talk about is just a little summary of what how you should get your soy in your diet. So I think we should start out with bad before, and then yeah. we can end on a good note. Okay. okay. Um,
1: so the bad sources are pretty much anything processed. So that's textured vegetable protein, um, soy protein isolates, which are in protein powders, and a lot of, like, vegan... Fake meat. Yeah, or what would you call it? Like, convenience food. True. Um, and then soy burgers, soy dogs, anything like that.
0: So processed food, unfortunately, processed, is still bad for you. That's what I was <laughs> If it is a processed soy or a processed meat, it's still going to be bad for you. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we that these processed foods are really bad or one of the things that's in it a lot of processed foods is soybean oil and soybean oil is high in your omega-6 fatty acid which is a long-chain fatty acid similar to your omega-3 but whereas omega-3 is anti-inflammatory omega-6 is pro-inflammatory so diets that are high in omega-6 can lead to chronic inflammation and soybean oil is the highest or leads to the highest consumption of omega-6 in the standard American diet because it's in so many processed foods. So soybean oil is really cheap, and we add it to everything, and it leads to a high intake of these omega-6s.
1: I think the reason that omega-6s, or not omega-6s, that soybean oil is so cheap is because when they process it for animal feeds, Mm because that's what they use a lot of soy for, Is to make grains for animal feeds, but they just have the leftover oils and leftover anything to do with it.
0: Great, so we are eating the leftover junk that the animals can't even eat. Yeah. So just avoid that in general. And one of the other things too with omega sixes is is the ratio of omega six to omega three. So thinking about omega threes, the things that you eat that are high in omega threes, that's going to be like your nuts and your um, Salmon. salmon, your cold water fatty fish are going to be higher in omega-3s. And so the amount think about the amount of fat that you're eating in your diet versus processed foods and soybean oil. So the ratio is really bad. So we're supposed to be eating for omega-6 to omega-3 about 4 to 1, but our current consumption is like 20 to 40 to 1 of omega-6 to omega-3. And it actually inhibits the effect of the omega-3 when you have so much omega-6 because the omega-6 is binding and the omega-3 cannot reach its site of action because of all that omega-6 that's there
1: yeah so easy swap for to get more omega-3s and less omega-6s is when you cook with oil cook with olive oil yep and when you look for like salad dressings and um things like that look for ones that are made with olive oil or um, find recipes to make your own yes dressings make your own yeah it's so much better yeah it's
0: good Um, And one other thing, too, for the soy protein isolate, which we know is bad, but another thing that is um, bad about the soy proteins is that they have been seen to have a high uh, level of heavy metals in them because of the soil quality. So there's a lot of arsenic and other heavy metals in the the protein because you're using such a concentrated amount to get that high level of protein. So that's another thing that you should consider if you, especially if you're doing a plant-based protein to try to look for ones that are considered to be cleaner and that have actually a, a good certificate of authenticity or COA that shows that they don't have those high levels in there.
1: And you could look for like a pea protein. Yep. That's what I like. Yep.
0: Okay. So now what are your good sources of soy? So before we talk a little bit about those, I want to say that you should always, always, always choose organic soy because Your soy is one of the most genetically modified foods that we have in the U.S. besides corn. So soy soy and corn are our top two. And anything that's genetically modified is sprayed, sprayed, sprayed with glyphosate and other synthetic chemicals. And those then end up getting on the food and then end up getting into you when you consume them. So if you are choosing organic, then that actually helps to reduce the spraying because it increases the demand for organic product. And then we are also, you're also not consuming those products.
1: The way that they or genetically modified soybeans are, I don't know if anybody's ever used Roundup to like kill weeds, but you know that stuff works like a charm. Soybeans don't die if you spray. The ones that are genetically modified do not die if you spray Roundup on them. They're called Roundup Ready. And um, that's why you should always go with an organic because if you think if you're eating something that's been sprayed with something that completely obliterates most plants, (laughs) it can't be too good for your body. So look for the organic soy products for sure.
0: Yes. And especially this is so even more true in children who are developing and they're immune system is very vulnerable. So the product in Roundup that's dangerous is called glyphosate and it really, really affects children and the development of their guts and their blood-brain barrier. And so if you're a parent, please choose um, organic options for yourself and your child because it's really going to be beneficial for them. So the best forms of soy are going to be your whole Foods less
1: processed. Yeah. So um, soybeans are sometimes called edamame. Yep. You'll see that if you go to like sushi restaurants or anything like that. So that's the completely unprocessed form of it. And then some of the other good sources are tofu, tempeh, natto, miso, and soy milk. Um, So any of those are good options to get soy into your diet. And When it comes to organic soy products, soy is already so cheap that the organic version of it may be like a few cents higher. It's really not that big of a difference.
0: So I want to say one thing too about tofu. So tofu is considered to be a less processed soy product, so it's better for you. Um, And a lot of people are... Don't like tofu because of the texture or they think it doesn't taste that good because it's plain so first of all obviously you need to season, season it. it um but if you're a texture person that doesn't like the texture of tofu i tried a new kind of tofu from trader joe's and it is a it's actually called super protein and it is in a shrink shrink wrap thank yeah. you it's in the shrink wrap container and it doesn't have any water in it. It's not in water at all. And the consistency is much thicker. It doesn't have that jelly-like con- consistency of tofu. So if you are trying to get yourself into tofu or if you want to try it for the first time, I would highly recommend that because once you cook it, it tastes really good and it doesn't have that consistency. So highly recommend. And it's higher in protein because they, they take out all the water so it's more condensed.
1: And tempeh, you can like slice tempeh and yep. cook it like bacon. Or- yep. Steak or anything like that.
0: So tempeh, nato, and miso are your uh, fermented forms of soy, and those are going to be the best for you, because yeah. when you're fermenting it, it's adding in all of those really good bacteria that are good for your gut. Um, probiotics. Yep, lots of probiotics, and prebiotics as yeah. well, because they have fiber. If you are also hesitant about soy, beef for, if we haven't convinced you that it's not horrible during this chat, the fermented forms are definitely uncontestedly good for you
1: yeah and miso I hadn't cooked with it but I watched a video a few days ago and this guy was cooking with it and he said it adds a really nice flavor Mm -hmm. so yes it's it's definitely worth a try and as we've tried to explain to you guys it's not bad for you right Um, so it's definitely worth a try
0: all right everyone well thank you for tuning in today to health formation Um, Hopefully, you learned a little something something about soy. If you have any questions for me or Marcus, please send us an email at healthformation.podcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Facebook page at healthformation. And we will post some of the uh, links to some of the articles that we discussed in today's episode on our show notes and also on our Facebook. Yep. So thank you for tuning in and have, have a happy and healthy day. Bye. Bye.